0: To support this podcast, go to positivesarcasm.com slash donate. Any amount is appreciated. Once again, positivesarcasm.com slash donate. Thank you and enjoy the program. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by PB and Joey. Simple, honest, and delicious. Go to PBandjoey.com for more information. $35 or more gets you free shipping. That's PBandjoey.com for more information. PBandjoey.com. This episode of the podcast is also brought to you by poppycrock.com. For all your latest fake news, as real as it gets, or is it? Go to poppycrock.com for your daily bite sized bits of fake news. Poppycrock.com. That's poppycrock.com. Hey everyone, here's a great way to support this website and make money for yourself. This is Robinhood, the app that makes investing easier and offers more ways to make your money work harder. Their goal. Investing in financial markets more affordable, more intuitive, and more fun no matter how much experience you have or don't have. Keep a broker in your back pocket. Everything you need to manage your assets is all available in a single app. Set up customized news and notifications to stay on top of your assets as casually or as relentlessly as you like. Controlling the flow of info is up to you. Have access to stocks, funds, options, cash management, and cryptocurrency. Make unlimited Commission-free trades in stocks, funds, and options with Robinhood Financial. The same goes for buying and selling cryptocurrencies with Robinhood Crypto. And zero commission fees. Also introducing cash management. Invest, spend, and earn all through your brokerage account. Secure a spot on the waitlist and reserve your card. Here's what I want you to do. Go to positivesarcasm.com slash donate. And when you click on the referral banner and securely sign up either using your Android, Apple device, or desktop, You get a share of stock value between 3 and $150 after funding your account. That's all you got to do. You get a free stock. I get a free stock. We all win. Trading terms and conditions still apply. See Robinhood.com for more information. Once again, go to PositiveSarcasm.com slash donate. Click on the Robinhood referral banner and claim your free stock. Robinhood, it's time to do money. Look, I get that this is personal for you. But we have a fiduciary responsibility. No, no, we don't. Responsible. Nobody's acting responsible. Fuck responsibility. Are you kidding me? The assholes at the big banks. I you take- always want to take. We're talking, please. Excuse us. Right. We're going to wait, and we are going to wait, and we are going to wait until they feel the pain, until they start to bleed. That is what I want. But what about our clients who've entrusted us with their savings? I say when we sell. This isn't about you. This isn't about you. Hey, 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 I say when we sell. Whatever you say, Mark. I say when we sell jhairpositivesarcasm.com streaming live from the spare parts studios happy wednesday everybody well for some especially some of those in wuhan trying to get the fuck out of dodge streaming live from the spare parts studio you can find me on instagram at positive underscore sarcasm you can find me as a tiktoker uh, but not your usual TikToker. Uh, blah, 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 blah. Oh, at Positive Sarcasm for TikTok. Facebook.com slash POS Sarcasm. Or if you just want to be my friend, Facebook.com slash Positive Sarcasm. I'm available at all angles, at all speeds, and for most IQs. Anyone under the IQ of 85, good luck to you. Uh, we are streaming live a few minutes later than normal today. Had to get some extra coffee underneath me for another day. Uh, I got a footsie. One, two, three. One, two, three. Three articles going on for today. Uh, two of them had to do with automobiles. One is a more of a uh, FYI, and the other one is a ha 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 And then I got one about some stock market, uh, some asshole who defrauded the stock market. Gee, that's never happened before. And, of course, I got a slew of Q&As. And let's see, what else do we got going on for today? So, yeah, I know we're still in the middle of this shit show, but I have been preaching... Uh, for quite some time you guys want them do you want to make money well you got to get in the stock market and right now is the best time when things crush they're cheap all right do you want to buy do you want to buy a steak when it's twelve dollars or do you want to buy a steak when it's four dollars all right and right now nobody's bought well the mar- everybody ran from the stock market the thing is there's a lot of idiots in the market now because everybody has access to it so everybody who gets scared sells right away. Just more than usual. And I'm you guys have been if you haven't been listening for the past few weeks, now's the best time. You will not you may not get this opportunity this easy of an opportunity again. Unless you wait another 10 years for the next time this market crashes, but now's the easiest time I've ever I've ever had. I've bought most of my stuff at like 85% of rock bottom. And now it's on its way up. There may be another dip, but. And I don't have to be a fucking genius or an analyst to make you guys. To tell you guys that if you just pay attention to trend, you'll make money off the trend. You don't need to analyze anything more than that. However, you do have to pay attention to people who are flubbing the books. So. And I want to give you an article about one guy, one cat who uh, flubbed his books basically saying that his company made a certain amount of money and turns out he didn't so we're going to get right to that when you're uh, when you're buying stocks and shit like that just pay attention to the company's reputation what they do what country they're from just look into it a little bit before you hit that buy button and if you're not a day trader remember you got to wait the whole day you have to wait one business day before you can trade out of that stock so know what you're getting into if you're going to at least if you're going to buy something you know at least expect to have it for the long term or at least for a day but this guy um this is a company i've actually was thinking about buying for quite some time i had it in the watch list uh i wanted to buy there are certain commodities and stuff that i I am interested in buying but this one didn't work out too well for uh this is on yahoo news and i found out about this a little while ago and their shares dropped 80 percent this is uh Luckin Coffee. Luckin Coffee is a Chinese brand. And they defaulted on their loan, which means that they weren't able to pay. The reason they weren't able to pay on their loan is because, well, they their profits that they said they made in uh, 2019, uh, they made them up. Yeah, they, they made them all up. And that's not good. When you lie to your... When you lie to the people who give you who loan you money, when you lie to your investors, when you lie to the consumers, you're in for a, you're in for a lot of shit. Now, here's what it is: Hong Kong and New York Reuters. Reuters is the company that uh, reports on a lot of stock market news. Chairman Charles Zheng Yao Lu and Chief Executive Jenny Kwan have handed over shares in the embattled Chinese coffee chain to lenders after a company controlled by Lu's family defaulted on a $518 million margin loan, one of the banks said Monday. The default comes after Luckin, a major rival to Starbucks in China, said last week that much of the of its 2019 sales were fabricated, sending shares plunging at 82 to uh, as much as 82% in US trading and sparking an investigation by China's security regulator. Imagine that you're trading at around 30 something dollars a share and then literally 1 minute later your stock plunges. The value of your stock plunges 80%. 80%. There are people out there right now that ha- that put $10,000 into uh, Aurora Cannabis at $10 a share. right now uh one year later aurora cannabis is trading around 85 cents a share that's uh, over a 90 percent loss in value all that money poof gone poof gone that's that's the market that you know sometimes like i've told you before chasing is the worst thing you can do if you were going to chase a stock you do it for the short term uh and that's the general rule. Chase it for the short term. Don't look to spend huge amounts of money. Uh let's see, some of the class B shares and some class A shares of Luckin have been pledged to secure the loan, including shares additionally pledged by Family Trust of Quan. One of the banks, blah blah blah, Goldman Sachs Group said in a note to clients on Monday proposing sales of the shares. The other banks, blah blah blah, this is all fucking stock chalk. Luckin declined to comment. Gee, I wonder why. Did not immediately respond for comment. It's not possible to contact Quon directly. Morgan Stanley, Credit Swiss, and Barclays declined to comment. Did not mean so a bunch of people not wanting to comment. If all the shares pledged under the 500 million te- 518 million uh, dollar loan are sold. The voting interest in Luckin lucky Coffee would not decrease, while Quan's beneficial and in voting interest would decrease significantly. Goldman Sachs, without quantifying, okay. The Class B shares will be converted into American Depository shares. Luckin shares were down 15.4% in early afternoon trading on in New York on Monday. Okay, so they lied about how much they made. People found out about it. Their stocks plummeted, and any stocks, any shares that were owned by these people, the let's see, the president and the CEO or whatever, gone. Gone. The Securities Commission took them. Said, you can't have them anymore. You're all done. And by the way, you're under investigation by the Chinese government. So good job to you. That's rule number one. uh, And in Jordan Peterson's book, uh, don't lie. Yeah, don't lie. So there you go. That's what happens when you fuck around with the stock market. Uh, So that's pretty much that. So be careful when you are looking. Look at companies that have a pretty good track record. Um, or or at least in a strong market. right now you just you look at the market and the, the biggest concern right now is people defaulting on their mortgage payments on their rent. So their property value is concerned. So people if people are running from mortgage shares and trusts and anything that having to do with real estate, all those markets plummeted because there was no money going into them. So people got scared and ran from every type of mortgage trust or mortgage firm or anything that had to do with real estate. They all ran, and and the stocks plummeted. And because they pretty much hit rock bottom, they all went up literally a week later, and they went up fast. Because we're talking about uh, a virus, uh, a pandemic that hit very quickly. I mean, it was already here. We didn't even realize that it was here and it just, it was like a wave. It went over us. But now we've already, we're about to peak, and it's gonna actually, some accounts are saying it's not gonna be as bad as they suspe- suspect. Still gonna be bad, but we could be returning to somewhat of a normal very soon, which means that people are gonna be going back to work, which means that people are gonna be paying their mortgages and their rents again, which means that fu- money's gonna start getting funneled back into the mortgage securities and the trust funds and all that other shit. Also, in the meantime, the government rescue programs are starting to come into effect. So all this stuff combined, people are – and plus the fact that this, these shares have bottomed out and they're cheap makes them much more accessible to buyers. So if they're much more acceptable to buy, uh, uh, much more reach – if I, you can reach to buy them for only a few bucks a share, people are jumping on them, sending the stocks through the roof. And if you bought early, if you bought early, you're going to make out with a lot of cash doesn't matter if you bought if you spent ten dollars or ten thousand either way you're gonna have a lot of money at the end of this uh, so and it's a short term and it's a short-term thing it is definitely a short-term thing within if you say within one within uh, two weeks to three months depending upon how long you want to hold on to them you're gonna make a lot of money you're gonna make a lot of money and you're gonna be glad that you took which really, you're going to be glad you took maybe... It wasn't even a risk at this point. It was more of a guarantee that there was going to be a huge bump. There was going to be a huge rally. People are looking to buy right now. So you had to take advantage of it. That clip, by the way, that I, I talked about in the beginning was from the movie The Big Short, a movie that makes me very, very angry. It doesn't have to do with viruses, but it does have to do with the market collapsing back in 2008, something that affected me greatly. Something that affected me greatly to the, where I started thinking about well, first of all, I was laid off in, for, in 2008 for six months. So I felt it. I felt it uh, more than others. People lost their jobs. People lost their um, homes. People people committed suicide. But I felt it. I was out of work for six months. I had to collect uh, the first time ever I've, cl- I've ever collected unemployment. I don't ever want to have to do so again. Um, so the idea that just sitting there taking things, per- you, t- you take it personally. When you lose your, when you lose a job, say you're a regular worker and you lose your job, you take that shit personally. You feel like you've lost your function in life and you start to question your value as a human being. But when I, st- when I went back to work in 2009, early 2009, I was hired back, you know, you start to wonder, uh, where am I going? What is my life? What's my, what's my purpose? Is it just to go back to the office? I mean, this is the same company that threw you aside or another. It's all the same shit. Yeah, I get it. You're happy to be back to work and functioning and keeping busy. But isn't there something more to all this? Are we just going to kind of just go back to the way things were? We were complaining about the same shit, the same problems. And then when the next panic sets in, we go ahead and we stock up on toilet paper. You can't invest in toilet paper. You can buy toilet paper stock. You can start a toilet paper company. But do you, is that really your, your expectations through life is to hold on to a shit job as long as you can, and for the next panic wave to hit, to hit us and then you just go run into the store again to buy stupid shit until your miserable fucking life ends? Isn't there something more to all this? And that's why I eventually, back in 2013, started developing what is now positive Sarcasm.com. I put my time and effort into something that I felt had real value. I invested in this, and now it's starting to pay dividends. I've been very busy this week with a lot of normal grunt work. Plus, I've been working on editing some videos. Uh, one particular, uh, and then some client videos as well. And you get to you get to dabble in and out uh, of your work. I have a, a lot on my plate, and it's a good thing. It's a very very good thing because I went back in two thousand nine when I came, went back to a job decided it's not something that I want to do for the rest of my life and I started discover wanted to look for my own meaning something that brought interest to my life made things more fascinating and the the big short was one of those movies that when I look back on all of it I realized that there was a lot of fraud there was a lot of lying there was a lot of uh, gloating and the movie is it's an excellent excellent movie everybody's in it but it made me extraordinarily angry it's a movie that confuses you, And angers you at the same time. But it was all based, a lot of it was based on fraud. And nobody was really ever brought to justice for that fraud. I'm not going to really explain it in detail, but it it had a lot to do with mortgage securities and just people giving out subprime loans to people who didn't deserve them and with variable rates. And when time came to pay up, people couldn't afford those loans and the market collapsed and took everybody with them. And at the end of the day, the American people paid for that, and people around the world paid for that because the market collapsed. And when the U.S. market collapses, everything else follows suit. But we're not looking at this situation right now with this. This is a little more short term. It has long term effects, but money wise, if you have a little bit of cash, you can you can take advantage of this situation. Whereas the 2009 thing, people made money on that. People were betting on the market collapsing two years before it actually happened they bet they bought shares in stock and in all kinds of other shit they were betting on this market collapsing they're not bad people they just saw what was coming they just saw what was coming and made their investors a lot of money whereas other people were shit out of luck a lot of people lost their jobs um so that movie that movie is a is a is a, a lesson it's a teaching tool it's it's something that like when Christians watch passion of the passion of the Christ everybody should be watching the big short to remember that this can happen at any time and every 10 years the market turns over it does something you won't expect you wouldn't expect it to do 2001 there was a market issue 2008 there was a market issue just recently there was a market issue it could be for any reason that causes people to panic. And when people panic, the market plummets. And it's a new set it's a new thing that I wanna bring to this podcast is just letting people know how to how to spend their money, how to save their money, what to do when you got a few bucks kicking around. You never know. Maybe you're not maybe your rent isn't due for a couple weeks, and maybe you could throw it in the stock market and do that for a day or so. And maybe turn that that I don't know, that uh fifteen hundred dollars that you use towards your rent, maybe you can throw it in the stock market for a couple days on a sh- on a possibly sure thing and make some gas money out of it. Make some gas money out of it, or something bigger. You make a few extra bucks, pay for your uh, pay for your coffee runs, pay for your gas money, pay for fucking your car insurance, or something like that. These little things that make a huge difference, and over time, make a, make a significant difference in your life. And maybe you keep some of that money that in the stock market, and in, in the long term, you create a portfolio for yourself just by doing a little studying, a little research. It makes all the difference in the world. Um, but also protecting at the same time your the things that you have around you: your car, your place, your your mindset, your health, your wellness. I talk about health and wellness in this podcast. But there are people out there that um, right now that the car car dealerships are hurting because people are forced to stay home. There are those, I did want to talk about uh, cars a little bit. Uh, Johnny Monotone was supposed to be in studio this week, but he had some shit he had to do, but, and I want to discuss it with him since he knows a thing or two about car sales. Uh, but there were, there are cars that are obviously hard to maintain. I have a car that I have, well, I have two. Um, and one of them I built, I, I bought to have it restored and it just, it's not happening. And it was an absolute nightmare, and I, maybe it's not like I shouldn't have done it. It was just it was a, it was a lot of money, and it just wasn't worth my time, and no longer is. So, but when it cost, when it comes to average manual costs, average average annual maintenance costs for a car, a lot of the new cars are not really worth it, really not worth it. And some of the cars that I've noticed over the years that cost a shit ton to maintain are Audis. Granted, they may be some of the safest cars, some of the most reliable cars, or I guess you'd say. But for the most part, there was a a, a past like two thousand two to two thousand eight where Audis were dog shit. They had those new magnetic transmissions that, after eighty thousand miles, broke. And they cost five grand to replace. They had timing belts instead of timing chains. Timing chains you never have to replace. Timing belts, they had to replace them after 60,000 miles. When they broke, they destroyed your fucking engine. There goes your engine. And then you had all the other average annual Audi shit that you had to fix as well. So at the end of the day, why would you buy an Audi unless you were leasing one for two or three years? Or maybe buying an older one that that had some value to it. But for the most part... This uh it starts off with the Audi A4. Average there's 15 cars here that I wanted to run by real quick. The average annual uh maintenance of an of an Audi A4, $739. The 19, 2019 Audi A4 an executive sedan, even though it's the A4 is the smallest. There's the A4, the A6 and the A8. That doesn't include the S models or the RS models, which are the sports models. The 19 Audi A4 is an executive tsunami by Audi subsidiary of Volkswagen blah blah blah, which is owned by Volkswagen, the same company that fucked you over on its on its uh uh what is it? The highway and gas mileage uh rate uh estimates. The average annual uh annual cost of an Audi is about 730 bucks. Major issues of it include transmission faults, called it, electrical issues from the taillight, bummer, spark plugs, and brake fluids. That's a bitch. Just bleed. Just having some brake stuff done and having them bleed your brakes. That's a few hundred bucks right there. Um, just to replace. If you're just to replace like a brake caliper, if you replace a ba- brake caliper, that's a hundred something bucks right there. And then you have to bleed the brakes, which is even more money. So that's going to cost you between mm, to have somebody do it three and four hundred bucks. And I'm sure an Audi caliper isn't cheap. So that's one thing. And then transmission, forget it. Unless it's under warranty, you're fucked. So that's car number one. Uh, let's see. Let's go down to number fourteen. Number four. Now I don't get this. I can see maybe it's because it's the new one, but not the older ones. Number fourteen is the 2020 Ford Mustang Coupe. Uh, okay. So you have the option of the 2.3 liter turbo uh, turbo EcoBoost engine, which is a four cylinder. It's a four banger, or the five liter Coyote engine, uh, which is a fucking monster. 460 horsepower, six speed manual transmission. Nice vehicle uh ford vehicles usually have problems with their pcv valve hose that can give a yearly disturbance of two. okay so the pvc valve hose that's that should be an easy preventable fix and i don't know why that's such an issue with uh, maybe usually the valve gets clogged a lot of cars if you just change out the pvc valve which is just a little filter hose a hose with a filter at the end of it if you change that out your car can run fine your car runs fine uh, but apparently, that's a major issue on the two on the 2020 Ford Mustangs. So I would just I would do some more research on that because I think that's really preventable and it wouldn't cost you uh, 709 dollars per year. Jesus Christ! All right, number thirteen, the Chrysler 300, a burden since the day it was created. Well. Not the old Chrysler 300, the new one since 2005. Average annual maintenance: 639 bucks. 2020 Chrysler 300. So basically, the moral of the story is: if you're buying a brand new car, expect some shit to go wrong, um, and sometimes these things aren't covered under what do you call it? Warranty. All right. Uh, the main issues with the Chrysler is its gas, exhaust gas recirculation, possible overheating of the engine, and the camshaft position sensor. So if none of that stuff is covered under warranty, you're going to get a huge bill. So average annual maintenance, $639. The 2020 Nissan Maxima. Mm. Powered by the old, they had a, they've been powered by the 3.5 liter V6 engine since like 1998. Uh, Engine that produces 300 horsepower. It's a nice engine though. Major problem. Power steering failure. Anytime a power, every time anytime your power steering fails and it's usually the rack that breaks, that's a $1,000. So anytime like that, if you're buying an older car, junk. The car is junk. Uh, other power steering fail. If it's electrical power steering, I can't even imagine what kind of bill you'd get for that. Front seat wear, eh, no big deal. Idling problems, that's annoying. The lack of power when accelerating and gearbox problems. That's a fucking nightmare. They might not occur. Uh, might not occur in a year. Drivers should expect to lose about 540 bucks on its repairs. No, you're going to lose a lot more than that. Uh, this is what this is a problem when all your car is based on is electronics. Acura TL average maintenance 467. Uh, 2003. The Acura TL is a 2003 model year. Oh, geez, we're going way back. Uh, that since '95 and was replaced by the Acura TLX. The Acura TL 2003 model year had a widespread transmission defect. And luxury car customer suspicion of vehicle. Duh, 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 duh. I don't know what Four hundred sixty. Well, if you have a transmission defect, and, then you're fucked. But they'll probably end up being like a class action lawsuit, and you'll collect on that. Number ten, the Subaru Forester, two thousand twenty. Uh, average annual maintenance six hundred thirty-two dollars. Auto company designed to be fit. Blah blah blah. I fucking hate. I've always hated the Subaru Forester. To me, it's one of the ugliest cars ever invented. It's just gross. It's gross. Uh, and it and it's it, it, ugh. It, eh. Uh, let's see. let's see manufactured does anything that cares to everyone recent years the Subaru has been re- it's been recalled over 30 times since 2007 and based on the complaints of customers as a result, users of the forester may expect to spend about 632 dollars on non-company related repairs. So if the recall isn't covered, You'll have to pay for it. And generally when you bring a recall to a dealership, they go through and they repair the recall for free, but then they make other recommendations on top of the recalls in order to make their money back. Uh, well, they don't make any money. They they just tack on more shit. Well, you should replace this and replace that. And a lot of times people just say, yeah, do it. Uh, which you should just say no. Just re- fix the fucking recall and give me my car back. Number nine, the Mazda 6, average annual maintenance, 481. 2.5-liter uh, gas engine, so it's a little four-banger. Ooh, no, 2.5-liter, 227 horsepower? Six-speed shift automatic gear. Okay, the common issue, though, diesel particulate filters, suspension tires, electric windows. Uh, Wow. Jesus Christ, so it has suspension? What the hell could be wrong with the suspension? Tires and electric windows. Why would I buy that? Number eight. A Audi A4 Quattro. Welcome back, Audi. Average annual maintenance, 925 bucks. The average annual maintenance, uh, let's see. Failure of a circuit board, vacuum leakage, oxygen sensor failure, and electrical interference. Gee, and I thought we praised the Germans for making amazing cars. Not looking that great right now. $925 on yearly expenditures. Number seven. This one has been a plague for quite some time. The Dodge Ram 1500. Average annual maintenance, $691. Uh, twelve thousand pound maximum towing capacity. All right, what's its issue here? Torque assisted, blah blah blah. The main issues include, uh, the TIPM, totally integrated power module, cam and lifter failure. That's not good. Um, and even body structural issues. Jesus Christ, these things are supposed to be like towing. Capacity. That's that's sad. This is not a no, this is a like I know Ford had a torque torque transmission conversion issue back in the day where the transmissions would constantly fail. So this is not this that this, this issue would go well beyond 690 bucks. Uh number 6 Dodge Dodge Grand Caravan. Why are people still buying fucking minivans? To be perfectly honest with you. I mean, I get that um I get that suvs are gas guzzlers but most suvs are becoming like hybrids or electrical uh, fully electric by this point uh so why would you buy a grand caravan first of all they're ugly they depreciate like a son of a bitch they're not that powerful they're not great looking and there's just no point to them you can get just as many seats in an suv as you can in a, in a large minivan so what's the point why would you why do we still have these things uh, 3.6 liters engine, 283 horsepower, 265 p- Okay, what's the problem with it? Premature brake wear, engine stalling, hard gear changes, transmission failure, and poor air conditioning. Imagine, like, three screaming kids in the car and you got bad air conditioning. Average maintenance, $673. Number five, the Chevy Cobalt. Oh, that was such a disappointment. That was supposed to be such a nice little car, too. Average maintenance, $453. Built in 2005 to 2010, efficient engine, 205 horsepower. That's actually a lot of horsepower for such a little car. Drivers complain of having problems with their fuel injectors, issue with micro switch inside the shifter mechanism, and the ignition lock cylinder. Yeah, that's annoying. So little stupid cheap things um, that they just, you know, they went cheap on. And between 2005 and 2010, Chevy was making shitty cars. I know, I owned one. Um, Not the Cobalt, but. Still, they were using a lot of the same cheap parts for other, other vehicles that they were in their lineup. Uh, one of the reasons that Pontiac died, too. So, average maintenance, uh, 453 bucks a year. Oh, here we go. The Germans are back. Number four, Mercedes-Benz E350. Average annual maintenance, $788. That's a modest estimate. The E350, uh, fuel-efficient, powerful engine. However, it has been observed by users, the thrust-link bushing of the front suspension front suspension system cracks, air pump relays, differential leak of covers and seals and low brake pressure all plague the vehicle. Uh, yeah, repairs up to be $788 a year. That's no, it's got to be way more than that. You're not going to go to a certified Mercedes technician and only spend $67800. You're going to be spending a shitload more than that. What else we got here? Number 3, the Nissan Murano. Average annual maintenance 500 bucks. I always did like the Nissan Murano, though. I always thought those were cool-looking. With no major changes at the initial start, the Murano is still noticed to have p- uh, poor steering feedback uh, during driving. Maintenance could be expected to be in the one. Wa- okay, so that was it. So just, okay, no big deal. <clears throat> just that. look Okay, number two, and the Germans again. BMW 328, average annual maintenance, 773. Uh, Provides supporting. I do like BMWs, though. I do like them. I, I, don't, I wouldn't drive a 3 Series. There's just too many of them. They just look like taxi cabs at this point. However, the 328 also has problems. And we're all t- most of these are new, new, new cars. Oil leaks. Steering wheel vibration under braking and tail limp assembly uh, malfunctions. Which is uh, vibration under braking. That I don't know why that's an issue. And oil leaks. That's not good. Finally, number one. Not something I would expect to be number one. Uh, Chevy, the all-new Chevy Impala, average annual maintenance $568, 300-horsepower engine, torque, pack, six-speed automatic transmission, uh, 34% chance of engine problems, electrical and air conditioning, 23% and 19% damage rate for suspension and steering. All these issues bring an average annual cost to about $568. bucks. you would think that after, you know, 100 years of being in business that Chevy would figure out how to make a halfway decent uh, four-door sedan. Instead, we're getting transmission problems, uh, suspension, engine, electrical, air conditioning above all else. They just can't get it right. They just can't get it right. So these are cars from all over the world, from Japan to Germany to the United States. You're better off just buying a Mustang at this point. Even though Mustang was on there, you just buy an older one. Okay, uh, we're going to get to... Okay, one more thing and we're going to get to Q&A. So speaking of cars... I know that in New York City it's been pretty quiet out, and there's not a lot of people on the roads, so it would make sense if you had a sports car to take it for a spin in the, in the, in the city, right? Well, one guy did that, and it didn't end up well for him. This is from Road & Track magazine, and Ben. his name is Ben Chen. Ben Chen, owner-arrested after ultra-rare Mirage GT. So... When you own a Porsche, there are certain types of Porsche. The only Porsche I don't recommend buying is the Porsche Boxster. However, there is the Porsche Cayman. Porsche Cayman is a beautiful, uh, less expensive version of the Porsche 911. Then you have the Porsche 911, the Porsche Carrera. That's like the Porsche. When you buy a Porsche, you buy, what do you have? I own a 911. Nice. There's the 911, the 911 Carrera, the GT, the 911S. They make the Cayman, the Cayman S. Then there are the Porsche, uh, there's the GT2s, the GT3s. And then there's something else. There's these, these other uh, Porsches. They're called, uh, I think it's called the 918, the Carrera GTs. These things are widow makers. They're insane. These cars are absolutely insane. And this one is called the ultra, it's called the Jambala Mirage GT. And let's see. A driver of the Jimbala Mirage TT, an ultra-rare, highly modified version of the already rare Carrera GT. So we had a custom Carrera GT. I think it's called the 918. Wrecked into a handful of cars in Midtown Manhattan. Right now, Ma- Manhattan's under a heavy quarantine, so there's not a lot of cars on the road. He wrecked a handful of cars in Midtown Manhattan Tuesday morning. The damage isn't pretty. Okay, this car's fucking totaled. And the engine in a Carrera GT is in the back. It's a mid-engine supercar. Uh, So whatever he did to the front of it, yeah, that's pretty much all she wrote. The owner of a car, Benjamin Chen, was arrested following a series of crashes around 7.30 a.m. Tuesday. NYPD spokesperson confirmed to Road & Track. Police said the car was not stolen, being operated by Chen when the incident occurred. He's been charged with operating a motor vehicle while impaired by drugs and reckless driving. He He goes by BC on Instagram. Look him up owns an extensive collection of exotics. Uh, the formerly gray Carrera GT had three owners, the most recent who bought a car in 2014. The timing, blah, 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 blah. DuPont registry, okay, this is blah, blah, blah. Chen has 378,000 followers. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. The car struck several vehicles along 11th Avenue on the west side of Manhattan before eventually coming to a stop on 44th Street. So he must have been... Ch- oh, cool, they got video. Oh, <gasps> Oh, man. Oh, I got to see that again. I have to see that again. Okay, so he's fucking speeding, slides, and... Oh, okay. All right. So here's what happens. He is... There's no cars on on, on 44th. He's clearly speeding. Hold on. I got to go backwards. All right. He's clearly speeding. Oh, shit. Slides out of control and into the back of a parked Toyota Sienna. And he's going so fast that when he hits the Sienna, the Sienna moves out of screen. It moves one parking spot on on impact and then goes out of screen, completely out of screen, along with the Porsche Guerrera, uh, the, the Mirage GT. So it moves three parking spots and then leaves the scene. Oh, boy. You fucking moron. And then after that, an additional video shows the car speeding away after the collision, continuing down the avenue. The significant damage, despite the significant damage done to the front of the car, was able to flee the scene, running at least one red light in the process. Five parked vehicles were struck, police said. Okay, uh, let me see here. Oh, shit. So he hits the Toyota Sienna and then drives away. And he's still driving. And he's still driving. And then a fender flies off and he continues driving. He hits, there's six people standing there, one person with their fucking dog, and then the car just takes off. Still no police at this time. Holy shit. And there's a FedEx van. <laughs> That's amazing. That's amazing. That's that's pretty awesome actually. So a supercar it's a it's a total car. Video shows the driver losing control, blah blah blah. Additional studio sh- to Okay. So that's on Instagram. Uh you can look it up. Go to Instagram speed timers on Instagram. They got four and three thousand followers. And it's a blue Carrera GT. And you can see the car drive away. And then uh oh. And below the end of the ordeal with New York State police trooper caught up with the crash Porsche, Porsche. Chen was conscious and alert when officers arrived at the scene. There's like little bits of car right behind him. And then tre- Ooh, okay, and there's a bunch of people with their with their uh with their masks on. Oh my god, this is terrible. This car is fucked up. Uh state trooper, please get out of the vehicle, and there's Ben Chen. Yeah, he's all done. Oh, he is Okay, so right now he's telling him to... Hold on, I'm waiting for him to, to tell him to... Is he going to put a field sobriety test on him or whatnot? Dude's fucked anyways. just sort of walking away. Now he's getting back in his car? He's not getting back in his car, is he? You got to go check this shit out. Uh, you can go to Road and Track Magazine. Just look up Mirage GT. Yeah, this dude's fucked. <laughs> he's so fucked. So, yeah, there's the end of that. Um... Is he trying to leave WTF? Yeah, Yeah. so how much does a... Hold on, let's find out how much a Carrera GT. Carrera... Carrera GT, that's like the ultimate Porsche. Carrera GT. This is just a regular Carrera GT price. They go for... The GT price was $448,000 MSRP. And then you can't just find them anywhere. The only one I've ever seen in my area is owned by Joe Farrow... Who owns the Tuscan village? And that's the only ever, only ever uh Porsche Carrera GT that I've ever seen. They're cool looking though. But yeah, 448 grand. That'll tell you everything. And they're not easy to find. Uh, but yeah, let's see. Here's one, here's an 05 for sale. Ten cylinder engine, four hundred and forty grand for sale, used. I think. Hold on, let me click on it. Curious. Auto Trader. Okay, used 2019 Porsche 911 GT3. Oh, this is a Carrera GT. This is a GT3 RS Coupe. 199 grand. Nice. Lamborghini Los Angeles. Oh, okay. All right. So that's that's affordable. That's affordable. So yeah, Ben Chen is fucked again. I wonder what's going to happen. All his other cars. He's definitely going to lose his license for a few days for sure. So, anyways. We are at, uh, let's see, we We talked, we, we freaking fumbled through the first 20 minutes. We talked about annual maintenance costs for new cars, uh, luck and coffee fraud, Ben Chen crashing his Porsche. Okay. So let's go ahead, and since Johnny Monotone's not here today, let's go ahead and skip the uh, crazy food ideas. I was thinking about doing that, a reoccurring theme with him, uh, and we'll jump straight to the Q&As. So let me go ahead and get these out of the way. Also, if you want to support this podcast, go to PositiveSarcasm.com slash donate. Any amount is appreciated. You can go to PositiveSarcasm.com, just click on the contact button. There's a uh, button there. You can just click on the link to get a free stock through the Robinhood app. Uh, you get a free stock, and I get a free stock. And then everybody all walk away happy. And you all got to walk away happy. All right. Let's get to the QA. We got some good ones this week. All right. And yes, I did uh, clean up my studio a little bit more. Uh, there, there's a brand new tabletop in front here, so I can. Uh, you know, a little more room to work with here. I was a little, a little tight. Now, now I'm, it's much easier to deal with. I got a spot for my coffee. Uh, I, I, a little more room for my monitors, a little more room for my laptop here. Now I've got a laptop designated specifically for this podcast, as far as one that can sit here and review all this other data. So yeah, I've got like, I'm working on like, let's see. I've got one, two, three. Four, five, I got like eight, eight, nine. I'm working on computer number nine right now. I just got a Lenovo uh, in stock that needs to be restored. But I may just sell that one and just sit at number eight. I'm restoring an older HP uh, 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 mobile desktop unit, a mini desktop unit. If I can get that, I might just stop right there at, at eight computers, eight or nine. And then I'll just sell Lenovo number. I'll just sell the Lenovo. And then I'm working on this old... Uh, Asus gaming laptop, uh, gaming laptop. This thing is gigantic uh, for a client of mine, and I just brought it back to life. I'm waiting for a couple things in the mail for it. Anyways, let's get to Q&A. All right, let's start off with some good ones. How can I get my roommate to pull her pants up so I don't have to see her butt all the time? My 50-year-old housemate has a problem, and I don't know how to help. Sounds stupid, but her pants are always falling down. At any given moment, inches of her rear crack are exposed. It started years ago, most often when she would bend over but it has gotten progressively worse. Anytime she stands up or walks about, I'm not sure of the cause. She does wear a belt. I can only guess what that her pants, jeans, 90% of the time, uh, and skivvies are the wrong size or cut. The real problem is that she is hypersensitive about it, and any attempt to bring it to her attention, either subtly or more directly, elicits only an angry response as if it is a disability that she can't do anything about it. She'll bark, I know, when either she really didn't know or doesn't know the extent of it. At one point long ago, I even took a few pictures when she wasn't looking. Yeah, you don't want to do that, bro. Uh, So she could see what the rest of us have to see. But of course, she got really angry and missed the point entirely. Lest you think it's some kind of weird question for attention, quest for attention. I just want to say it happens all the time in public, at home, when nobody is around, and when everybody is ar- and everybody's around. Aside from social awkwardness, the issue could also be dangerous. I can just see someone getting provoked by by it one day. How does one address a situation like this seriously? How? Yeah, you know what? You got to pull up your pants. We got to have some decency in society. We got to have some fucking decorum. There's a certain way to dress. You have you have to you have a certain belt size, you have a certain waist size, you have a certain amount of fitness that you have to keep up. The fitter you are, the easier it is to keep your pants up and to buy stuff that fits. It's much easier to maintain a wardrobe that 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 appeases to your body type. And if you're 50 years old and you can't keep your fucking pants up, uh, this chick's got a serious problem and this is not something I would, somebody I would want in my household for the long term. So either pull up your pants or pack up your bags and get the fuck out of my house. So that's that. Let's move on to the next one. Can I ask my sister re- to rename the five-year-old girl she's planning to adopt since she has the name I picked for my unborn child? Boy, we we, we really have some first world problems, don't we? "'My sister, S, and I are identical twins. "'I always felt like I've never been allowed "'to have my own things. "'Oh, boo, hoo. We've hoo "'We have rhyming names. "'My mom always tried to get us matching clothes, "'and we shared a bedroom. "'S has been married for four years. "'Unfortunately, her husband, S.H., "'is unable to have kids. "'They decided to adopt, which I think is fantastic.' I'm currently pregnant, congratulations, and having a girl, congratulations. My husband and I spent a lot of time picking out the perfect name for our future child. I feel so good about this name. Yesterday, S and H announced to the family remotely they are officially about to adopt with a little girl. They wanted a baby but ended up having to go with a slightly older kid, <laughs> so they got a used one. Oh, She looks absolutely precious. I was so happy for a few seconds before they announced her name is B. The name that S knows is my daughter's. I thought that was a joke, so I kind of laughed. Then I realized they were serious. Obviously, the girls can't have the same name. Twins with daughters with the same name? Everyone would laugh at us. Now they wouldn't. I'm planning to talk to S about the situation. One of us needs to change our kids' names, and I'm hoping she'll be reasonable. My kid will get here first. Oh, okay, <laughs> my kid's here first. A lot of parents change their adopted kids' names. They could do that. If the kid won't, if the kid won't change her name, S and H could go with a different kid. There are thousands upon thousands of orphans who need loving homes, and 99.99999% of them don't have this one particular name. They haven't bonded with this one yet. I have already bonded with my baby and can't imagine her with another name. Oh, my God. You are such a fucking bitch. Who fucking cares? It's a name, first of all. It's the love that counts. Oh, my God. They are... They haven't bonded with the kids, so they should give it back to wherever it was. Go ahead and send it to a fucking kill shelter so they can pick out another one with a different name that they're going to give it. Jesus Christ. So what if they have same names? Are you one of those girls that when you go to like a club at one night and then all of a sudden you see somebody wearing the exact same dress, you get mad and stomp out? Were you one of those in, in school when somebody was wearing the same sweater as you, you went in the bathroom and cried? Give yourself a fucking break. This is really no big deal. This is such a stupid thing to be complaining about, especially lately. This is your first world problem? Okay, I mean, I get it. It's sometimes uncomfortable. Oh, you have the same name? Ha ha ha. Are you really that self-conscious that because you guys are twins and you have daughters daughters or sons with the same name and all of a sudden this is a giant issue and your world's going to collapse? You need to get over yourself. Just name your fucking kid, feed it some milk, Talk to it once in a while, pat it on the head, it'll do good things and you'll feel bad about yourself. You'll feel better about yourself and having the same name really won't be that big of a deal. Let's move on to the next one. Let's just keep cranking them out. Was it a mistake to tell HR that I'm pregnant and my boss is the father? I'm still fairly early in my pregnancy and that this fellow coworker who became my boss right at the point I found out I was pregnant. We have a perfectly normal working relationship. "'No one would even know based on how we act. "'There there are no anti-fraternization rules, "'but I went to HR to discuss it "'because I was worried about both our jobs. "'I told her I was four months pregnant "'and that the father was a coworker. "'I told her I'm afraid to share it "'due to higher-ups knowing and getting involved. "'She said she needed to talk to him "'but needed to think about it before she did "'and would tell me that she was going to speak with him "'before she did.' I am currently working mostly from home, but some people are still working from the office. I went in to discuss some items and walked right into her having a conversation with him. She told him that they will have they will have to move my position and she will have to tell the higher up sooner rather than later, which was the opposite of what she and I discussed. And now he's bothered and I he's now he bothered I said something since his biggest issue was he didn't want the office to know. So does he does she have to do this if there was no conflict? Can't she wait till the baby is born, telling the higher ups it will affect my chances of the promotion because my promotion would put me over him. Should I have never opened my mouth? Well, once you the, opening your mouth is your decision as a couple, you guys need to come to a consensus about what for what's what's move. Let's put H.R. aside for a second. Let's move that whole. Hey, we work together and now we fucking uh, thing. Let's move that aside. I know I'm not the greatest saint when it comes to those situations either. But the fact of the matter, is, hey, what are you going to do? The fact is, is that you guys were together. He got promoted while you were pregnant. All right. If you if you, you, guys need to talk, are we going to say anything? Okay. The best, obviously, you'd want to get away with it. We all want to get away with this shit that we do. If you could, then do it. You shouldn't open. Maybe if you guys talked about it and don't say anything. HR has an obligation to report and discuss conflicts of interests within the company. They have really no loyalty to you. So the minute you tell HR something, that's it. It's in writing, and when they de- when they deem it appropriate that it's a conflict of interest of in the company, it's brought to the attention of the senior of the senior reps of the senior executives. Simple as that. You gave up. All your decision making—the minute you opened your mouth to HR, so HR can do whatever they want—and you basically have sold out your boy toy. And maybe you should have listened to him when you kept your mouth shut, because then you would have buy just you would have bought yourself a little bit of time to figure out what you're gonna do to change your position or work with him, because he needs to get he wants to get promoted. He got promoted. You may have fucked up his situation and you definitely fucked up yours. You could have at least kept your mouth shut for a couple months while you guys figured out what the fuck was going on or you just could have shut your mouth altogether. Uh, But the minute you went and spoke to HR, you pretty much waived all your rights to privacy. You did that. So this is 100% your responsibility by doing so and he has a responsibility to you and the child but you have a responsibility to move your position. Since you are underneath him, if you're underneath him, you need to move. You need to move to another department, okay? Because somebody has to support that kiddo, and if he has to waive his position, which brings in the most money, and if the reverse was true, then the same thing applies. If you were the one getting promoted and he was underneath you, he'd have to move to a different department so that the relationship could continue and that there was no conflict of interest at work. So you have to move, and if I was in your position, I wouldn't have said anything. And if I was in his position, I would have asked you not to say anything until we figured out what we were going to do. That's what you should have done. And you didn't do that. You left it up to HR, and HR will fuck you over any chance they get because that's their job. Next up. How can I force my 10-year-old son to talk about sex with me? I have a 10-year-old son who's in 4th grade. I feel as though he uh, as at an age where it's appro- what is I feel it's inappropriate he's in an age where it's appropriate to start introducing more mature topics or at least signaling our openness as parents to his questions about those topics. I'm thinking about anything from puberty, sex, and substances to peer pressure, race, and violence. The trouble is that while we have great relationship otherwise, my son completely closes up when either my husband or I try to initiate conversation about these topics. For example, he told us recently that the gym teachers at school gave kids the puberty talk. Yep, okay. I got mine from, I think it was around like 6th grade, 5th or 6th grade. Uh, when I gently ask follow-up questions, uh, how do you feel about that? Or are the kids at the bus talking about sex? He gets uncomfortable, clams up, and changes the subject. Yeah, that's natural. Anyways, I have started resorting to saying anytime you have a question or want to talk about something, please come and talk to Dad or me. Cool. Good on you. I've gotten to the point that I've even bribed him by nah, by withholding something he wants like dessert or screen time until he tells me One thing his friends are saying about sex or one question he has about it. Yeah, you don't want to be bribing your kids. Or maybe you do. I don't know. The topic in particular is an important one to me as I want him to grow up in a sex-positive household. Okay? And to understand the meaning of consent, which is not the way I was raised. I don't want to alienate him by being too pushy, but I'm concerned that if he doesn't open up, we won't have the opportunity to correct misinformation or educate him. All right. Well, you need to back off because he's 10. He doesn't understand it. He's uncomfortable with the the topic, and you need to kind of chill out. And maybe he doesn't want to talk to you about it. Maybe he wants to talk to dad about it. But either way, the communication between you and your husband needs to be open. And, of course, yeah, it's great. You want to be available to your kids. Great. That's awesome. Good on you for wanting to be receptive to your kids and talking to them. It's awesome. This is an easy issue to solve. You just need to chill out, keep an eye on them, Make sure he's not diving into too many – hey, as long as the kid's not an incel, you're doing a good job. You're being a good parent, something that is not really in uh, – is in high demand nowadays and apparently in short supply. You're doing a good job from what I can see. Just don't become some re- recessive twat that thinks you could do anything in life. Just keep an eye on him, let him. Let him grow up and help him out when you can. And don't get concerned, too crazy. Don't overreact to situations. He's a guy. He's going to do guy shit. So as long as he doesn't knock somebody up by the age of 14, he's going to be fine. Just keep an eye on him. uh, Talk to him. Be open to whatever he wants. And if he has a question, and it's whether he wants to ask dad or you, great. Go that route. You just need to kind of chill out. You've already told him that you're there for him. That's perfect. And then you chill out. You kind of leave it out there, and you let him come to you. But you do need to back off. Um, the it, it, It's tough, especially for guys, because we obviously don't imma- mature as quickly as women do. Women mature faster, so we're kind of still bobbling the ball while women are kind of running with it. Um, even though I can shave my legs way better than half the chicks I know. How can I get my sister to go vegan during the COVID-19 ep- epidemic? I hate you already. My sister and I have disagreed about diet for years. I am vegan and she and her spouse eat meat only about twice a week, I believe. We love one another. Our relationships are our relations are cordial. We never argue about her diet. When I when my spouse and I visit, she she cheerfully accommodates us. Although my central reason for not eating animals is that they don't like it. Health is also a major concern, and occasionally I send my sister a link with scientific studies pointing out the health-protective benefits of plant-based diets. I try to be sparing with the links because I know people who are always dispensing health advice can be annoying. With the COVID-19 epidemic, my concern for my dear sister's health is mounting. We are both well past 65. She's had a major health crisis in the past, and I want her to be alive and well for many more years. I would like to send her some links showing that adopting a plant-based diet quickly fosters a healthy microbiome, gut flora that boosts one's immunity. Without putting her off, and, uh, I know dispensing physical health recommendations isn't your job. But would you consult some nutritionists and check this one out for yourself? If you find it convincing, mention it. Okay. First of all, you don't know what the fuck you're talking about. You need to back off. And they have their own diets. Okay. If they have a shitty diet, then that's one thing to talk about. All right, it is okay to be plant ba- have a, a large majority of your diet plant based, but you just don't no. Just because all of a sudden, first of all, this COVID nineteen thing has absolutely nothing to do with any of this shit, nothing. So you, that is not a, that's that's you remove that. This whole coronavirus thing has nothing to do with plant based diets or anything like that. You need to shut the fuck up about this stupid stupid vegan bullshit. And the studies you're talking about are all garbage to begin with. So you have no clue what you're talking about. They eat meat. I eat fucking meat too. Alright, that doesn't mean I'm destined for death at an early age. My destiny for death is because I probably have anger issues that I need to control. And yes, meat does make me more aggressive, but eating plants all the time will make you a fucking pussy. Second of all, the fact is is that I there are vegans, there are tons of vegans out there with horrible diets, because a vegan just means that you don't use any animal products. But you can still eat 42 pounds of fucking tater tots and still be a fucking vegan. So the fact is that you has it has nothing to do with anything. When it comes to, and this is the thing about fucking vegans and carnivores that piss me off more than anything. They just want to tout their fucking diet. All they want to do is talk about, oh, my diet's the best. I'm doing this new vegan. Shut the fuck up about your fucking diet, okay? Nobody wants to hear about the shit that you put on your plate, all right, at night, at all. I don't want to hear about it. These are your own, These are the, your, this is of your own choosing. I don't boast about my podcast. If you want to listen to my podcast, you can, all right? You eat what you eat. All right, and as long as you're not out there tort, you know, eating, fucking, biting the heads off of bats and spreading pandemics across the globe, I don't give a shit about your diet. I don't care about it. I don't want to hear about what you think about diets. I had a perfect, I had a vegan in here, and we joked about it a little bit like that, and we came to an agreement. We had a light discussion about it. We came up with some good ideas. But the fact is, is that you're concerned about her health. Well, telling her to go vegan is not going to do anything. That's not going to solve anything. There are many ways to solve people's health problems and just simply telling them to go vegan and you're just gonna offer them some recipes and some links. You have no clue what you're talking about and at the end of the day, you could be actually pushing them closer to their death instead of preventing them. You're just, there's so many ways. Oh, foster's a healthy microbiome. You don't know shit about that. You don't absolutely fucking dick about healthy gut biome. You're just telling them like going vegan, it's gonna solve all your problems. You have no fucking clue. You have no clue whatsoever. Boosts one's immunity. How? You tell me how. You tell me how it all of a sudden does that. I'm telling this for anybody who has a certain diet: low inflammation diet, ketogenic diet, carnivore diet, high fat diet, low fat diet, low carb diet, intermittent fasting. Okay, intermittent fasting is actually the most common way to build up a to build up a strong, lean body with low inflammation. That's where it starts. Being vegan is a fucking secondary factor, being secondary factor. Anybody talks to me about veganism right off the bat, I shut off. I shut off. I completely just shut down because they have no fucking clue what they're talking about. Keto, the same thing, although only keto is more difficult to master because there's ratios involved. Intermittent fasting, that's easy. That's just a time period where your body's not eating for a long period of time, so all your blood sugar levels lower and stuff like that. That's an easy one to master. You follow that, you're gonna lose a lot of weight, no problem. The good weight, mind you. But this lady, look, I just get annoyed when people talk about vegan diets because that's just right now uh, the one that people are toting the most. And if you don't, if you just do yourself a favor, shut the fuck up about it because the carnivore people are becoming just as annoying as the uh the vegan diet vegan diets are have more variety than the carnivore diet. I find the carnivore diet boring. However, I would if I had a choice between a plant-based diet and a carnivore diet, meat diet, I'd go with the meat diet. Um but guess what? One's more they're both just as aggressive and they're both equally annoying. But you're talking about your I get it, you, you care for your sister, but pushing this bullshit religious diet on her is not gonna help her and her fam. So just do yourself a favor and knock it the fuck off. And sorry I'm being so aggressive about it, but it's because I drank a little bit of coffee, and people who talk about vegan diets annoy the piss out of me. If we wanted this, if we're sitting down to have a health discussion, you put everything on the table. You put all the nutrition uh, all the nutritionists all the table. Intermittent fasting, high-fat diets, keto, carnivore, vegan. You put them all on the table. And then you go and get blood work. And then you go and you try fasting and you see what works best for them. Maybe they need strength. They Maybe they need certain things in their diet. You don't know her genetics. So if you don't know her genetics, you don't know what's necessarily going to be good for her body. So you need to kind of just be like, okay, here's your options. You figure it out for yourself. Nobody knows their body no th- th- more than themselves. Start with the basics. Don't go vegan. Fucking dummy. All right. Um, how can I get my coworker to start observing our complicated office trivia system correctly? I supervise a team of three. A former coworker, when he departed the office, left his 365 days of amazing trivia calendar behind. We've developed a tradition of keeping score of our correct trivias answers for no reason. Our system is to forget about the calendar for several days. Then whoever remembers that we have forgotten about the calendar tears off all the forgotten days at once, reads through them alone, and writes their initial on the page as if they knew the answer. This person deposits the stack of sheets on someone else's desk who repeats the process until all of us have had a chance to peruse the questions. Whoever gets around to it, probably me, tallies them all up and adds points to our ongoing scoreboard. One of of my team members is, is significantly older than the rest of us. We love her, but... Also she is out of her mind and has never grasped the system. We have to give her a pile of cards last because she will verbally to herself speculate about what the answer might be and then announce to herself what the right answer was. Listening to her machinations, is it clear that it does not is it that she often does not guess the answer correctly? However, when the all right, I I'm fucking confused. I I don't Have any idea what the fuck you're talking about I think your trivia thing is stupid The fact that you're spending so much time in your job Talking about this Is just completely annoying to me I hate office life environment type of stuff I hate off corporate people I think they're all fucking annoying I hit them all with a sledgehammer if I could Which I'd probably end up doing And this is just annoying to me Oh, office trivia This is fucking retarded, all of this This is annoying The fact that I'm confused about it annoys me even more And all of a sudden you're shitting on this old bat because she doesn't get your stupid system. So, you know what? Maybe she has other shit she's focusing on, like not dying, instead of your goddamn tallying mark fucking trivia system. Nobody cares. I don't care. My listeners don't care. And apparently she doesn't care. So do you a favor? Shut the fuck up and leave her out of it, because nobody gives a shit. And I'm already tired. I'm done. I'm tired. I'm done. I'm fired. I'm done. We're done with the system. I've done an hour of this podcast podcast. I'm fucking annoyed by your stupid corporate bullshit, and we are done with it. So I'm rambled on for an hour. (laughs) I'm so sorry. These podcasts are so silly. I'm so silly. You're silly. All right. We're done here. I've got an hour. All right. So you can find me at positive underscore sarcasm on Instagram. You can find me on the TikToks, uh, positive sarcasm. You can go to my my Facebook.com slash POS sarcasm. Uh, facebook.com slash positive sarcasm as well, go to my website, check out my YouTube channels, Positive Sarcasm and Positive Sarcasm Podcast, where I put my clippy clips up on the dailies. I'm also working on some new stuff. If you have questions, comments, client work, any any consultation that you need, just go ahead ahead and hit me up on my contact page at my website, positive sarcasm.com, or just email me directly. Positive sarcasm at outlook.com. Yes, I do check my junk mail too, so don't worry if I miss your me- if I miss your message one day. I'll definitely see it the next day. So no worries there. I'll hit you back as soon as possible. Questions about posing music for future bodybuilding fitness shows, you can email me directly there. Check out my custom channels for there. You can hit me up in any way, shape, or form. If you have stock questions, stock tips, or what I've been up to, what I've been looking at, you can go ahead and email me for that. Uh, We're streaming twice a week now here on YouTube and on Facebook, and I'm looking at some new ideas and stuff and blah, 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 blah. Yes, I will be podcasting on Easter Sunday as far as I know. What time? We'll see. We'll see. Okay, I guess we're done here. You can find this podcast. Please, subscribe to this podcast if you want to be a guest in this podcast or you just want to come by and sip some coffee on the uh, casting couch, which is off screen. Just email me at positive positivesarcasmoutlook.com at with the subject podcast guest or just podcast and then tell me what you want to do. In the meantime, you can subscribe to this podcast by going to iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play Music, Podcast Addict, CastBox, TuneIn, Spotify, uh, iHeartRadio. Anywhere that you can get podcasts, I'm available. So, until then, thank you for listening, watching, subscribing. I will talk to you all next week, streaming live from the Spare Parts Studios. This has been Positive Sarcasm Presentation. To support this podcast, go to positivesarcasm.com slash donate. Any amount is appreciated. Once again, positivesarcasm.com slash donate.